Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we're in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. And it's hard to know what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to dig into the games that my guests and I enjoy playing, to talk about big industry events, and to talk to the people who create these games. Now, if you are listening to this episode and you happen to look at the little title at the top of this episode, you would have seen that it is episode 200. Now, if you dig through the actual network, of course, with the Warlord cast and the Star Wars Legion cast and a couple of other bits and pieces that have happened over the years, the Ghost Army podcast, we are well over 200. But to celebrate the 200th episode of this show, I thought it would be a really fun idea to dig into something that I have been looking forward to for I I can't even tell you how many years. Something that I am overjoyed for and or overjoyed about and is coming to us incredibly soon. Uh, and it happens to align with Cast Dice birthday, which is Halloween. So by the time you hear this, it will be just about Halloween. It is a wonderful birthday surprise. And I guess uh, before I introduce our guests, I do want to take one tiny second to talk about why this is so exciting. If you've listened to the show at any point over the years, you would know that I am a sucker for nostalgia. I dig into my childhood at every opportunity, particularly on the gaming table, uh, from creating a USS flag aircraft carrier board from Marvel Crisis Protocol to 3D printing and converting heroes to look like the comic books I read as a kid to converting a bolt action army to be my G.I. Joe collection as a child. You name it, I dig into it. And God, I, I guess the, the one of the my fondest memories as a child was Friday nights. And it was always either having a sleepover with some friends and going to the video store because video stores had just been invented when I was about eight or nine. So going to a video store and picking out one of the 10 movies that existed at that point on VHS was a really big deal. And we'd always go to Gregory's Pizza and get pizza and subs and either go to somebody's house or if you know I wasn't having a sleepover, you know, pulling up my favorite toys, be it Transformers, G.I. Joe, Thundercats. And in just sitting in front of the TV on a Friday night, I wasn't allowed to watch any other time, but Friday night and Friday night, we had a team, we had Knight Rider, Miami Vice, V, you name it, all the best shows were on then. And I even got stuck watching, you know, Dallas from time to time. If my mom was uh, in, in town and felt like watching it and, you know, I would just play with my toys and have it on in the background, but I always stayed up to watch Friday night videos and all the music tunes. And it was, in my opinion, the 1980s. Now, you might say to yourself, why is he telling me about his childhood 80s, you know, fond memory? Because ladies and gentlemen, for the first time, I can put all of my favorite 80s memories on one tabletop. 
because we have been talking about the ultimate sandbox game on this podcast over the years. And joining me today is the man behind 7TV and Crooked Dice. Carl, how you doing, brother? Hey. Hi. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I am so excited. My wife kept asking me why I was grinning like an idiot all day today. And the answer is we are talking 7TV 80s, baby. The genre pack that we have been wanting for years. Helena, you are the author of this. Welcome to the show. How did Carl get you onto the greatest gaming expansion of all time? <laughs> Hi, Brad. Um, I'm going to flip that around and say, I, when, did, when did 7TV originally come out, Carl? What, 20? Um, 10 years ago, longer than that now, maybe 12? Uh, I would say about a week after that came out, I said, so, yeah. right, we'll do the 80s, right? I mean, mm -hmm. um to the, to the extent that I've got very old files on my on my machine here, uh, which still says 8TV, because that's what I kept calling it, 8TV, 8TV. Yeah, um, yeah a long time. Um, so, yeah, I've been knocking on the door or um, dra dragging Carl along. So, please, please, please. I've got some really great ideas, um, <laughs> some of which we might tell you about. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Carl. This has been a bit of an ordeal for you. Um, I know that you talked about 7TV years ago. I mean, 7TV 80s years ago. And I don't want to say an ordeal like it's a bad thing. You've had some wonderful things on your plate in the meantime. I mean, we had the second edition. We had all of the different box sets for second edition. And recently, of course, we have the new hardback rules for 7TV that consolidate the whole game. And along the way, of course, we've had all sorts of feature packs that we can absolutely enjoy. But the 80s has always been on the horizon. It's like that digital horizon from Tron. And there it is, lurking. And now the Kickstarter is almost here. Tell us a little bit about the journey that got us to 7TV 80s. Okay, well, as, as Helena said, and I think we have requests from customers as soon as we did 7TV. What about 8TV? Is what it, it, yep. it almost straight away. So it was always there, um, but I just kept changing the goalposts. It's entirely down to me. Helen has just been very patiently, sometimes not as patiently when she's been shaking me. Not patiently. Not, not patiently uh, at all. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and so, so when are we going to do it? So, um, oh, we've been working on it for a long while and and yeah. had, I mean, at, at least probably two or three years i would have thought for kind of hard writing on it but planning kind of years and years before that it was going to be yeah. the next box um uh and then um the world went a bit mad uh, and i then kind of realigned what the 7tv kind of product line was going to be um and um i had to sit helena down for a cup of tea and uh, and a nice muffin and say i'm really sorry but it's not going to be um it's not going to be a box anymore uh it's going to be a book it's going to be a 200 page jumbo book um <laughs> so uh, but we got there in the end uh, and yeah, yeah a couple of weeks away um and we'll uh, we're ready to go so well i think before we go any further i have to ask the almighty question because i always get asked this when i put 7tv on the show or publicly talk about it People ask me, wait, what's 7TV? They think it's actually a TV station, not actually the world's greatest sandbox tabletop skirmish game. 
Can you tell us what is 7TV? Because I always do a 10-minute version when I'm sure you can do a 30-second version. I'll give it a go. Okay. At its heart, it's a skirmish game. Uh, it's fun. It's probably on the beer and pretzels end of uh, end of um, skirmish gaming. But what we do is we take the conceit that you're making a television program or show or movie, <clears throat> uh, and we've constructed the rules so that terms like hero or champion have become star and co-star and extra uh, and you play script cards and prop cards for your buffs rather than well, you know gear or whatever it might be um so the whole thing is constructed around uh, around that idea that you're playing it and you can recreate your your kind of favorite shows on the tabletop um it's a sandbox game as well um, so I always describe it as Lego. You can bolt things in and take things out, um, depending on, on what you want to do. So it's, it's fairly easy to pick up. Um, all of the many profiles that we put in uh, each of the sets um, are archetypes. So you'll have a flamboyant spy who might be James Bond or Austin Powers or Jason Bourne, depending on the flavor and the tone that you want to play or the miniatures that you've got sitting on your shelf that you think I've got, I've, what on earth can I do with those? 17 will be the game where you'll be able to find something um, to, to kind of, uh, to hang those, uh, hang those on. So it's a lot like other skirmishes games, but it's not, it's a bit different. It's it's just, um, it's a, a fun, nostalgic look where um, you and your friends sit down and go all misty eyed and look through those tinted glasses at those kind of wonderful shows and things that sometimes should be better left in their cases on the shelf rather than put back into into the top loader. Um, but we love them anyway. Exactly. <laughs> Recently, you have delivered the Kickstarter for the core rulebook for 7TV. We have the new hardback book. If you're watching this on YouTube and you want to see all the pretty pictures, and there are a lot of pretty pictures if you're listening to this, hint, hint, you may want to look up this episode on YouTube. You can see some of the fantastic characters that are appearing in this that visuals will only, only do justice for. I, I'm not even going to try and describe them because I will fail. But one of the great things about the new book, because I have so many of the boxes in the past, is there were just countless character cards. And with the new book, you have sort of consolidated those down and streamlined them. Now, you can still use the old cards. They still work, and they are, quote unquote, leveled. Again, this is more on the beer and pretzel side. Still leveled, still fun. Like, you're not going to get blown off the table. But the new cards really do, I don't want to say streamline, because that makes it seem like it's simplified. But it's it's much more... Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I really like the new character cards. And given that we have all of these wonderful new character cards with stars, co-stars, and extras, I was going through my collection of 80s miniatures slash other stuff going, yes, I have this. Yes, I have this. Yes, I have this. But there's always a few that you go, hmm, what can I use this for? And while there's rules in the book, to customize those cards, to make them fit the miniatures or the, the character that you want. 7TV80s has a whole lot more. Can you tell us about that? Helena, do you want to go here? Because that's... Uh... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what we didn't want to do, 
is uh say take all of the when we started it spy fi 70s ones and just say oh look and here's the same characters but they've got leg warmers on you know and uh, and pastel jackets with their with their sleeves rolled up so i didn't want to go over the same ground um obviously and things have moved on a little bit we got the core rule book but essentially uh yeah what we wanted to where did we come from i sat down and just let 80s memories percolate in and i think the advantage we had in working on this certainly i did is that spy fi which is a love letter to 60s and 70s is something we did kind of grow up with because mm. uh you know um uh full disclosure you know, born in 69 mm. really the 80s is your teenage years for me right so i just sat down and i just wrote down lists of my favorite things and then just started to do a little bit of grouping and figure out you know, in what way is this 80s so we didn't just want to do a cop right and we didn't just want to do um a secret agent so you know and we if we had so we've got a special agent and a special agent covers a lot of ground but it's essentially mm-hmm. all of those guys with really cool vehicles that are generally in black that might talk that might fly or uh that they might just be hotshot pilots uh at some uh at some air training school um the investigators will be slightly quirky and offhand um i think one of the one of the ones i was really pleased to do i mean some of them are laser focused you know nam vet nam's late 60s 70s but as far as i'm concerned it's a whole lot of 80s shows so mm-hmm. nam vet it feels someone said why is that 80s because it was part of our it was part of our growing up right you know that's friday night watching tour of duty and, and humming along to paint it black mm-hmm. um so yeah we uh, at the top level the stars and co-stars and incidentally i think we've got more stars and co-stars for 80s than we yeah. generally have right and that's because i couldn't help myself and i was coming up with weird and wonderful ones just and and, and going down other routes of uh we'll come, probably come on to genres later on but maybe characters that you wouldn't necessarily think of as being the things that you would use in a skirmish game We've actually got a profile for a white collar, which is essentially every businessman, um, single female lawyer, um, uh, maverick uh, surgeon that you may see in, in shows, except they're involved in a skirmish game. Yeah. A head for business. Uh, exactly. Exactly. I and mean, you realize so much of the 80s shows, again, I, I, I tried to get myself to think outside the standard, hey, let's think about sci-fi and action movies and sci-fi and action TV. There's um, Brat Pack movies. There's soap operas. Um, and there's a whole load of things that maybe not everybody's part of their 80s, but more grim and gritty stuff. Cold War thrillers. BBC, very good at doing Cold War thrillers in the 80s. And touching on the less glitzy glamorous side of the 80s yeah there's a lot of unemployment and there was a lot of tv shows showing people um doing whatever they had to do to get by whether that's um touring the country in a in a in a gmc truck selling their military services or um selling dodgy gear on an east end market store and getting into all kinds of scrapes um so yeah we threw our we threw our net quite a lot wider didn't we Carl? in this one yeah there's this is certainly a lot more i would say u.s centric than the, the kind of the the, the british focused arguably british folks um 
Seven TV in kind of intro spy fi stuff that we originally did. And that's because here in the UK, we got all of those glitzy and glammy, uh, you know, the, the Glen A. Larson hour shows in all their shapes and uh, and forms. So that's certainly there. But British TV was a, was a little bit different it was a bit grim it's it's eighties thatcher's britain and it's not it's not the most glamorous of places i you know i had this conversation the other day i think that's why here in the uk arguably we gobbled up those shows and really embraced them because everything was a bit gray um here but we tried to reflect that as well you know with um uh odd job cowboy builders and 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 rogue trader rogue traders yeah that kind of thing so um, there's a, there's a little there's a little bit of of, of that, and as, as Helena said, there the Cold War stuff, which we had a lot of. There's two or three real landmark kind of um, yeah. uh, 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 kind of Cold War thrillers that we wanted to kind of reflect as well. So as ever, my eighties is not going to be your eighties, and there's a lot of stuff that we're going to try and and, and cover the broad kind of blockbuster stuff i think everyone will recognize but around the fringes there's there's personal taste that kind of that, that kind of comes in as well and a little yeah. bit of you know, where where you've come from as well you can't help it so yeah. i think it's good spread it's 127 profiles um so it there's yeah. there's a lot um lot in there um but the, yeah the new genres are, are, are nice uh, and, and cover some of that ground i think yeah yeah and they, they cover things that you don't necessarily think of as film and tv core sources which i think people will enjoy some of and particularly in some of our um some of our classic episodes our sample shows i think mm-hmm. will uh open up all sorts of possibilities for people yeah. yeah those people those guys oh yeah We'll get to the genres in a second, but I do want to break it down because I know people are going to ask. We are talking 36 new stars and co-stars in this expansion. Um, We have 88 new extras. We have three new vehicles. Now, having been very excited by the vehicles in the new uh, hard rule book, I definitely have questions about what those three could be because it seemed like every third eighties show of my childhood had a vehicle of some kind stapled to the main characters. Um, <laughs> are we allowed to talk about what some of those might be? Yeah. Uh, and I want to, there's a couple of things here that I just want to give kudos to Helen about a lot of the work that was in the core cool book, uh, rule book in streamlining a lot of the special effects and things we did as part of 80s, which we wrote before the core rule book. So a lot of that is already reflected in there. And kudos to Helena for kind of um, working on that um, with us. That also meant that there was quite, once we got to the core rule book, we went, oh, we're covering quite a lot in the 80s. There was a whole swathe of vehicles that were written that we went, oh, no, they are, they are the super generic ones that we need to have in the core. So there were a lot more, and then we trimmed it down. There were kind of three outliers, which are... The electron bike, the school bus, um, which we had to have because that's you know either you're sticking metal plates to it and firing cabbages out of a makeshift cannon that you've uh, that you've put together, mm-hmm. or fighting zombies in it, uh, or just going to Sherman uh, Heights School, uh, you know. Um, oh, yeah. in, so, um, so that's that's definitely in there. And uh, oh, what was the other one, Helen? Was it uh, super? Oh, it's not- uh, no, it's the armored, uh, the armored, armored van, yeah, armored van. 
That's it. Um, but there were many, many discussions very early on about what should we do? 80s is all about the kind of signature vehicle. It's product placement. And, uh, you know, it's, it's in all of that, those shows. But it's not, we felt in the end on balance, it's not vehicle combat. It's not, it doesn't really happen. There's chases and things that go on. But that's that's a slightly different whole post-apocalyptic thing where that's happening, um, yeah. which we're we're not really covering. So yeah. um, only three, but I think all of those kind of sports cars and supercars and all of the other bits are probably already covered in in the core. I think I feel anyway. You you would not believe how long we spoke and and agonised about yeah. how do you replicate uh, a digital uh, brain in a in a in a Firebird or a Trans Am uh, and. Do, do we need to work out rules for, uh, for helicopters doing reverse Immelmans? Uh, and, and wait a minute, only one of them talked, really, and the other ones were just really cool vehicles. Uh, and Man, do we have to have rules for driving your car into the back of a truck? And uh, Yeah, it, it, we went a long way down that. We did, and then hole. actually, probably just to reflect that, a lot of that then fell into stunts, which went into the core rule book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of that kind of thing wrapped up into a, kind of and went up front, really. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. the stunts and the things like that. How can we make cars cooler than just a deployment card, which is really their lar largely their kind of their purpose? Um, yeah. How can we reflect a little bit more tone in them? How can we make them a little bit more cinematic? It's kind of the the phrase that we kept, the question we kept asking ourselves all the way through the kind of core rule book. Yeah, um, and and how can so, we tie them into certain characters? And we did that with yeah. a special effect, which mm -hmm. is like that. Hey, anyone can drive a car, but if you've got a particular hotshot special effect, then hey, guess what? You unlock all the other cool stuff where you can uh, you can jump it over dried up levees, uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, do all that cool stuff. Yeah, let's talk about script cards because this is one of my favorite mechanics about Seven TV. With 7TV, you get, rather than a, a fixed number of turns every game, you have a deck of cards, and you flip it over, and things happen at the start of each player's activation, and as that deck goes down through Act 1, through Act 2, through Act 3, the drama ratchets up, but also the effects on the tabletop happen, so you might have as someone's written out of the script or written back into the script. So someone who had been eliminated earlier in the game comes back or there's a set malfunction and all of a sudden either a set piece disappears or moves on the table. Basically everything you would imagine from a bad TV show or movie happening, you know, looking behind the scenes and maybe have that happen. A stormtrooper hitting his head on the doorway, that kind of thing. Um, not naming any movie in particular, but you have that happen throughout a game of seven TV. Now the eighties genre pack has its own new script deck that represents the eighties and what happened in those shows and those movies more so than how should I say the generic deck that comes with the game. Am I getting that right? Yep. Yes. It, the core rule book um, again, it was, it was because they've been written the, the kind of, the other way around um the core rule book covers all of that core kind of production meta because there we can get the tone in that you're you're making a kind of a tv show um when we started 80s i think it's fair to say we can 
we've done that three or four times now in the other sets how can we theme it and tone it for something a little bit more iconic around 80s Helena I'm going to hand over to you now because it was your uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so going way back in time before core rule books and I think even before fantasy the fantasy set came out I mm. really wanted iconic quotes to be part of the 80s game and again they were called one-liners for a long time and it was uh it was it was almost like a another attack this might sound familiar to those of you that know 7TV from fantasy onwards. And it was a cool thing. And I, you know, my, my head is full of, as with many people, full of quotes. And I, I wanted to we weaponize those. And also, you know, it's a great touchstone, right? So, mm -hmm. um, but then when fantasy came out and it had the presence attack and I'd in parallel been doing something slightly similar, but arguably a bit more uh, a little bit too fussy on on dice rolling um we, yeah we had a long discussion about well, we still want to keep that quotability that those 80s dialogue uh nostalgia things as something cool let's kill two birds with one stone and um the uh the countdown deck became the script deck and we used those quotes there um i should say a couple of other things about those cards actually which are pretty cool um They've got interesting little coloured dots down the bottom, haven't they? Mm -hmm. I can't they remember. Do, yes. they... Yeah, they do. They have the strong symbols on them now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, and forgive me, this is a bit when I'm a little bit out of date. I think we're tying um, script decks into potential genre-specific cool stuff you can do as well. Right? Yes, that's absolutely right. So um, it's an advanced rule if people want to play it, but you now get. And again, this is something that was developed when Alan was writing 80s about um, having more genre specific things that your cast could do. Um, so that there's an optional rule when you turn over that script deck and if the symbol marries up to, that's it, to the genre that you've decided to play for that, you have access to some extra cool special abilities um, on the back. So um, again, <clears throat> it's where can we get that that tone um uh in as as much as possible so the ones yeah. in core rule book is adventure uh, action uh, horror fantasy uh, and so on and so on and in uh 80s we've got cold war frightmare greed and glamour hired help rebel state and silicon dream uh, and we started off with I'm going to set another couple. I think I think we had about seven or eight, maybe. We had one more. It was called On the Run because That's man, right. there's a lot of shows about people going from town to town. And I went right, a yeah. long right. I went a long way down that route. I, I had a classic episode that uh, let me see. It was a, a scientist um, who turns into a big green guy, um, a uh, a decommissioned uh, military robot that is uh, that is short circuited. Um, one or two women. Um, in a car who just want to keep going and a smart german shepherd dog and they would go from town to town solving crimes uh but you know what a lot of a lot of decisions come down to the fact that i don't like odd numbers so we had to get rid of the seventh one and hired help um uh was a perfect place for a lot of those drifter types um but yeah and a lot of this was about trying to make genre um more part of the game during the game I think up to then, genre was really just um, a way of generating a cast, right? And that was your pick list back, yeah. back in the day. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. one, 
once once you start playing the game, you didn't really think about it. But we wanted to make remind players, hey, you've got some guys who who are kind of spooky, and they do, and this is how their games work or their casts work. And it also, I think, brings home one of the cool aspects of the game, which is X meets Y, and that's your my cast versus your cast, and they don't necessarily have to be in the same genre just like in TV mm-hmm. shows. Some of my favorite shows and movies, I mean, going way, way, way back, you're talking about video stores opening up. I was desperate to watch something called Zone Troopers because it was aliens versus soldiers. And it in no way, uh, reader, uh, matched up to the cover or my expectations. Mm-hmm. But but the, the, uh, the statement still stands. I like X meets Y, right? So. Uh, that uh, that's at the heart of seven tv because i've got the same love you know it's whether uh starsky and hutch meet a cult or bj and the bear yeah. has a vampire in the back of the truck it's all of those weird mashups that you get it was like yeah mainly because it had monsters normally honestly i'm a simple <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah no i loved all of that Am I the only one that's thinking of abbott costello versus Sorry, yeah. Frankenstein. Yep. You yeah, one of my the, the original Monster Mash. Uh, yes. I'm a, yeah. I'm a big Universal horror fan, and yeah. yeah, for me, I didn't get it. It was comedy. Comedy was even better. I mean, I happened mm. to watch a movie last night. It was um, a a 2000s remake of a classic 80s film, and it was spooky ghosts, but with snarky, wisecracking scientists. And I love comedy meets scary. You know, that mm-hmm. for me is a sweet spot. Yeah. That's yeah. a sweet spot. Which you can have here. Hired help meets fright now. Having these genres and having effects that then play out that tie to the script cards is really clever because all of a sudden, when you're playing horror, it really does start to feel scary. Whereas if your cast is playing comedy, you know, as you were talking about a second ago, they your cast starts to operate differently and the cards will have different effects for your models, which is just awesome. I guess it probably just reflects, I'm speaking for Helena here, and this might be true, but our approach to the way that Helena and I and our group of games together in there, we always leaned into the genre, even if it was to the detriment of the the character. So it's just trying to reflect that and reflect that tone as much as possible wherever we can in the game. Now, we've bolted the genre things in as an advanced rule, so you might not want to play it straight out of the gate, you know, but once the veteran players in there, I think they'll, I think it's something they'll enjoy. Um, so you'll see more of that now with with the genre guides because that's what they're there for. So. Awesome. Well, you did mention episodes from a uh, '80s TV, eight TV back catalog. Uh, different ideas that you can play out on the table. Can you talk about those a little bit? Because I love this idea. This shall I shall I take that, Carl? Yeah, these are my favorite things, but I'm going to hand this over to Helena. Uh, thank you. Yeah, this is my favorite bit. Um, yeah, to, to be honest, yeah, working on the game is great. Um, it's a way for me to be writer, director, producer, uh, and, and casting uh, casting manager for every TV show I wanted to see and every film I wanted to see. Um, right, very briefly, let's see if I can go through these. I'm going to try to do them almost in alphabetical order. Um, we've got um, eight battalion or eight dash battalion and that's a whole bunch of vietnam vets 
who uh, uh, have been uh, downloaded into an advanced military mainframe, which controls all of America's nuclear arsenal. Uh, but unfortunately, a crazy person has uh, re uh, recoded it to look uh, very much like a um, an 80s arcade cabinet game set set in the jungle. And so we definitely need to upload some uh, some Nam vets into there. So yeah, there's there are bandana bandana clad in, uh, clad muscle men um, taking uh, taking on. Um, sideways scrolling creatures and um, i love video games i always love video games much of my 80s was spent um shoving coins into cabinets in uh, dark and dingy places it felt right to move into that so you will see a lot of video game references in here yeah um what Can else the, uh, the villains that the eight battalion fight? oh my god yes uh, you know i like a pun uh, the uh, the, uh, the viet Cong. Uh, and could you describe that for me helena uh, the, uh Viet Cong is uh is a, a giant ape um I just got it brilliant uh he, yeah 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 he's he's terrible he, he's out there in the jungle somewhere he's, he, he's a bad thank you very much yeah the 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 uh, the, the computer's called Vidnam and uh yeah you know sometimes I work from a pun backwards I make no apologies for that whatsoever <laughs> um right what else have we got very briefly oh carl go and tell us that this this was my original idea but i think uh, you love it, you love uh, it more alien than war me two. alien war 2 uh alien dead alien, alien dead, dead two, yeah um i <laughs> yes it's a franchise uh and uh we, we've gone with the second one alien dead one uh which is about uh, a load of um spooky undead things and there was one survivor in a space freighter but uh alien dead 2 the the lone survivor um who's a guy called ash um i just came up with that name. uh he uh he's sent back to take on the dead on some uh some abandoned outpost but there's a load of uh there's a load of cynical uh military types going on with him maybe some guys from corporate uh from from some megacorp nobody you would have seen in a film or at least not in that film let mm -hmm. me be very clear on that uh what else we got after alien dead let me see is it uh, uh... we have got um scream house oh sure. right Okay, yes. So that, that's when 80s, 80s horrors, you know, the first, you'd see the first one at the cinema and the rest, you just go and get out from the uh, video rental. Uh, so we wanted to do one of those things um, that's got a little bit of the spooky serial slasher in it, a little bit of, you know, those guys with masks that you can't kill, and an awful lot of uh, teenagers putting up a putting up a fight so there's the scream house franchise and we've gone for scream house three this house turns up in different cities in every movie by the way and uh yeah yeah that that's a lot of fun and there are there are various survivors from uh, the previous movies in there and various villains as well there's a, a spooky witch that lives in your dreams uh there's a a shark masked serial killer i think he's called shark face I'm very pleased with him. We've got now from a long way back. Um, I was inspired by a movie poster, uh, which is in no way an action movie, but it's uh, it's uh, a very stylish guy on a bike. Uh, possibly it's a purple bike. He certainly wears purple, and I always thought that would make he would make a great '80s hero. Because look at it, he's on a bike. The bike almost certainly talks to him. Um, so we went with that. Do you want to tell folks about that, Carl? The Hi-Fi Adventures of Neutron Nelson and the Rocket Revolution, you mean? I'll give it his full title. Um, yes, this was, I, I think, it was a mashup of, of, of two different ideas um, from us, which was Helena's 
all those bloody, all the, excuse me, all those actors that, all those singers that turn up and want to act in the 80s <laughs> movies, what if they were all in a thing together? Yep. And uh, I said, yeah, and what if it was a bit Buckaroo Banzai, I think? So somewhere yep. between that kind of mashup of, of things, um, and also um, the artist formerly known as, uh, it comes with on normally his own entourage, which was a kind of a perfect kind of super team um, fit. Absolutely. So we've got um, various various people appearing in, in that who are all very cool. I was going to say, can I jump in? I'm particularly pleased with digital hologram of, of a Scottish girl that hangs around with him. She's called Modem Girl. Um, yes. Again, all, all praise to the pun that comes for uh, and, and the new Manoid as well is also particularly good. There's a lot of electronica people there, I've got to say. And he's got he's got some minions called Craft Workers. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else have we got, Carl? Go on. Odd jobbers. Oh, jobbers. If it's like that. Oh, jobbers. All right. So not all the shows are obviously um, American. And we did a UK TV show. Um, a lot of UK TV shows were about people trying to make ends meet and taking on weird jobs. Um, we mashed that up with supernatural stuff. And obviously, there's some big name movies where you get supernatural people taking on tasks. So we've got the odd jobbers. There are a bunch of British guys um unemployed there's um uh, there's a, a market trader there's um a, a bricklayer from newcastle there's a guy who's uh, a boxer a bit of an ex-con um they've got hold of some knocked off supernatural uh, equipment for dealing with the paranormal and they just go around the country dealing with things and in our classic episode the things they're dealing with is uh, some rampaging asphalt uh, tarmac which uh, in an episode i'm calling the blobs from the black stuff we're in the uh, the good folk of Liverpool are under attack from animate uh, road surfacing materials. Uh, but there's a whole load. I've, I've got loads of episodes of that that I'd love to do. We've got a nod to the standard, um, or standard, very popular uh, maverick wisecracking cop movies, whether that's set in uh, in um, in Beverly Hills and uh, or or in a in a in a skyscraper in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Or whether there's uh, one cop who's crazy and one cop who's getting too old for this nonsense. Um, there's a whole load of those. We've we've placed that down in Florida in a movie called Orlando Heat, in which some uh, enterprising uh, terrorists have taken over a um, uh, a theme park. Uh, which oh god, I think it's called something like Alligators Neverland or something. Anyway, yes, close for the summer, folks. Uh, but they've taken it over anyway. We did want to stop. Get, yeah, get out of our UK-US bubble a little bit. And again, you know, we watched other stuff when we were growing up. And all credit to my brother Morgan here for this one. Outlaws of the Black Stump, um, which is set in Australia. And it's a strange group of uh, Australian folk who, who uh, travel travel around the outback in a, in a, in a rather odd-looking bus, solving crimes and helping people in trouble every week, usually by dealing with uh, corrupt officials, and almost certainly cobbling together um, machines that fire vegetables at the miscreants. Uh, I could go on. We we try to make um, glitzy soap operas more cool and fun to play. So we came up with Santa Clara. We mashed up all of those aspirational uh, soap operas with uh, um, big shoulder pads, big hair, and 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 cutting one-liners with um, the sort of 
corporate sci-fi stuff you'd see towards the end of the 80s where they're uh, creating uh, the future of law enforcement, um, man-machine cops uh, and the like. So we've got a skyscraper under siege featuring uh, the very cream of, um, of uh, cut glass accented British actresses uh, versus uh, ninjas and cyborgs, uh, which I'm quite pleased with. Scream House we've mentioned. We did want to do space opera. Space opera is obviously a big part, you know, yeah, Star Wars 77, but let's face it, Star Wars dominated all our childhoods throughout the 80s. So we went we went uh, in one particular direction, which is uh, paying homage to all of those cheaper sci-fi movies, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe produced uh, in Italy. And this is another little meta nod to... Um, to, to fantasy, right, Carl, with uh, Minerva Aventura. Minerva. Yeah. So we've tied that in. We've got Star Killers, um, uh, which has an Italian name, which is something like Assassini Stellari. Uh, I'll have to go and double check with uh, with my sister in law for that. It's very shiny. It's very shiny. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's, there's a lot of petroleum jelly on the on the on the uh, lenses. It's all yeah. it's all very it's very disco like all of those movies not those ones but those ones um <laughs> yes two others swordwinder an immortal swordsman uh doomed to doomed to walk the earth um gets mixed up with a um uh with a with a feisty lady from new york i think she's a i think she plays the cello yeah i'm pretty sure she plays the cello she's uh and uh they get mixed up in southeast asia with uh with an undying chinese sorcerer and all of his minions yeah that, that's a lot of fun um and what else have we got? Oh, I US didn't. Men- That's it. Oh, and no, I, I didn't mention Pitch Darkness again. Cold War. There's that grey men in grey suits. Who's the traitor? Um, someone's trying to start nuclear war. It's not James Bond, but there's a lot of there's a lot of that. So it's that's like a UK West Germany series. Um, takes place in Germany um, during a friendly match between uh, England and uh, I think the Russian football team or the Soviet football team at the time. Um and they've got some surprising strikers there who um who definitely will crush you. And if he dies, he dies. Um so yeah, that's quite cool. And last but not least, US aliens, which I can't believe I'm the first person to think of that as a name. What did I call it? Hughestown, Illinois has been invaded by visiting aliens who wanted to be our friends, but they're not. So a whole bunch of high school students, um geeks nerds math heads princesses or jocks all of those have uh, have taken to the wilderness to fight off the visiting aliens and they may be accompanied by one or two friendly aliens who just want to go home um though so, yeah sorry i've gone on way too long there but i love them so much <laughs> <laughs> that every i mean my face hurts from smiling so much <laughs> listening to this i want to play all of those games and I think I have a lot of those miniatures painted behind me. Uh, I, I cannot wait to see these on the tabletop. That is amazing. So I, I, I can talk about this all day, but let's start talking about the Kickstarter. When does the Kickstarter go live, Carl? We'll be only live on the 1st of October, which I think is a Sunday. Uh, and we'll run for about two weeks or 15 days. So we'll, we'll end on the 15th. Um, so tend to do them for two weeks seems to work. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be back on that, uh, launching it in the evening of the first. This is not your first Kickstarter. You are an independent game 
developer. Crooked Dice puts out a very fine product. And having spoken to several people who have picked things up, but aren't necessarily familiar with Crooked Dice as a company, you have a fairly flash website. Um, and I've had a few people go, well, why are they using Kickstarter? Um, because though the product is very nice, it this is an indie game. <laughs> Carl, how many are you? Uh, it, it's uh, it, it's it's me. It's I know uh, my wife who does a lot of the mail order, and then me standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, whether that's uh, Helena, who has worked with us from the very very early days of uh, of kind of Seven TV, um, some wonderful kind of sculptors uh, and uh, illustrators, and, uh, and and a little bank of writers that we've developed over the years, some of which from kind of Edge Hill. Um, but the company itself is 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 just me and kind of Anna as a, as a kind of a, as a full-time thing. Um, I'm just lucky enough to have got some skills. I'm a graphic designer by trade. So all of the artworking and the bits of it, that's, you know, that's, that's the bread and butter thing. That's the easy thing to do. So I can make it look shiny. Um, <laughs> hopefully everything else stands up behind that. So we, we should do a little shout out to some of the art from the eighties game. I think, and yes, name sure. our fabulous artists. So uh, the cover of the book has been illustrated by the amazing Steve brother, uh, brother stone, um, who, if you've bought any of the recent seven TV products, he illustrated uh, Dracula with a, a lot of the, the portraits for this. He has done, uh, portraits for all of the stars and co-stars um, on the profile cards of this and all of the props and MacGuffins as well. So we want, when we did the core rule book, we wanted to kind of just raise the bar a little with the with the, the quality of the art and the stuff that we were using. So um, they'll all be illustrated again. Dave Needham uh, has also helped out with some of the kind of um, graphic design uh, elements that, uh, that we've got in the core rule book um, and this uh, as well. So yeah, they've been they've been fantastic. Who else have I forgotten? Artist-wise, we've got Ernst, Ari Nielsen, uh, Mark Evans uh, have, have worked on this. George Fairlam has done uh, a couple of bits and pieces as well. Um, so some great sculptors that we've been lucky enough to to work with to kind of broaden out the the miniature range as well. Just to go back to what you were saying a second ago, though, because you are a smaller game company, and I don't say that to maybe be embarrassing it's to point out that would i be shooting the beyond my mark here by saying that having these kickstarters for each one of the feature packs and for the new hardcover book that's come out has allowed you to create and put these things out um yes it does i mean kickstarter is, is there to generate capital really for for small creatives that, that that don't have it by any other means we wouldn't be able to do them really any other way we've got a really really loyal and 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 brilliant kind of following that we've built up over the last kind of 12 years or or so um but yeah we, we wouldn't we probably wouldn't be able to do those without it it's it's a good model we've got our direct sales that that we've got but as you've seen from the quality of the product, I don't like to kind of skimp on that. So there's the fair chunk of change uh, goes into kind of the the publication and the printing and the paying the artists and and paying Helena and and everybody uh, to kind of get to the to get to that point. So um, it's it's a great model. I mean, it's it's been around for a while now. It seems to work. So we do about three a year, I think. 
and sometimes a little bit more if it's a smaller one. It's worked and it's allowed us to grow and we've got plenty now in the background as we wait for the core rule book and some of the other stuff. There's more genre guides being worked on and more feature packs, which are like our scenario packs as well that we've got knocking around. So there's lots and lots coming now. I think 7TV, I wanted to get to the point with 7TV that we could just support the game a little bit more beyond the boxes. Um, and now that we've got that kind of the, the core rule book there, it's 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 freed us up a little bit to, um, to to work on lots of other stuff. Well, let's talk about how people can jump onto this Kickstarter. So there are many different pledge levels. As always, we have the the basic pledge level of the genre guide only. So just like we saw with the core rulebook, you can just get the guide itself. And as you said earlier, just like the rulebook, it's a hardcover book. It is 200 pages. It's 20 pounds. And that makes you also eligible for all the free stretch goals that go through. There are two types of stretch goals. Some you can pay for. Um, if they unlock like miniature packs, others are free and we'll go through some of those a little bit later, but if you just want the book to add to the shelf, to read and laugh and enjoy and smile and bring back all those warm nostalgic feels and hopefully get them on a tabletop, this is a good place to start. Um, if you want to go a little bit further, we have the gamer pledge not only gets you the 200 page guide. You also get 127 new profile cards. You get the genre script and prop and MacGuffin cards in a retro VHS case. Everything you need to play the game. Plus, as we said before, all the free stretch goals. Am I saying that right? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Then we have, and it's got to be the 80s because we have the hero pledge. Um, now, you get everything that I mentioned in the last uh Pledge. So you get all the cards, you get the, the hardback book, you get the VHS case, plus you get eight heroic models. Now there's all kinds of different things from witty police officers to anti-heroes from the future to psychic children to all sorts of uh, weird and wonderful characters from the heroic side. Now, if you're into your heroes or you're more to the point not into your heroes, we also have the villain pledge where you have the same thing except with eight villain models. Um, now, that, of course, also comes with the free stretch goals. And if you're thinking, well, I can't decide. Do I want the heroes? Do I want the villains? Can't I have both? Why, yes, you can. That's called the director's pledge. Now, that has everything we've talked about in one handy-dandy pack. You get 16 models. You get the book, you get the VHS case with all the cards, um, plus all the free stretch goals, all the bits and pieces. But wait, there's more. It's almost like this is an 80s uh, informational commercial late night. We have the all-in. Now, the all-in has everything we've talked about, but all the goals, that all the stretch goals for this Kickstarter, and there are a lot. All of the ones that I mentioned before that are paid goals, you get for free. Um, Carl, uh, can you explain um, what the thought process was for the breakdown of these? Yeah, well, really, it was 
Um, often we find with kind of kids that are people kind of come in at the end and go, yes, I'll have that, and then and then wander off until they kind of get the notification that the thing's funded at, at the end. But they sometimes miss out on some of the the kind of the cool extra bits that, that that come along the way. So we thought this way just wraps it up in a big bow for them. They can have it all in one go, and this is regardless of whether they get unlocked. Um, they'll kind of go into production and get that. So there's a mix of different things that we've tried to cover some of the genres in there like the um sort of country with our galactic um marines um and our electron guards um we've tried to get some cold war in there so we've got a nice set of uh, uh kind of soviet um, uh, types some monsters always got to have plenty of monsters in there uh, and i've tried to do a mix of physical add-ons that you can get free stuff which will be print upgrades or extra bits like a poster for example uh, and then um add-ons for a kind of a new miniature if you if you want to add that to your to your pledge or as you said with the all in you'll get all of that um you'll get all of that anyway so um hopefully something for everyone and a bit of variety as we as we go through uh, including something for our um 3d printing kind of market as well uh, we've got some STLs there of some various bits of terrain and vehicles and a, and a couple of figures that you can uh, that we've dropped in. So, I just have to say my favorite meta game within game within game within game within Kickstarter within thought process ever is not only when you get this, do you get it in a VHS case, um, all the bits and pieces outside of the book, obviously, but then one of the Kickstarter goals, uh, stretch goals is shelves, STLs of shelves that you can print from a video store in the 80s. I never knew I needed that until I saw it. And now I desperately need it. And I think in describing this to my wife, I, there are so many miniatures from this Kickstarter that I didn't know I needed until I saw them. And now I can't live without them. Um, you have clearly put a lot of thought and time into seven TVs, eighties. I know we've been waiting for a long time. I have been one of the loud, well, in Australia, maybe one of the loud people banging a stick kind of far away, but my God, have you delivered with this? It looks sensational. Thank you so much for coming on guys. It is always a pleasure to talk shop. Carl Helena. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Clearly this is a labor of love and I can't wait to get it on the tabletop and to uh, play out my Friday nights. I'm going to get some pizza. I'm going to get some soda. I'm going to put it on the table and I'm going to put some movies on in the background and some 80s music and I'm going to live my best life. This is the best. Any any final words, Helena? Anything that you think that we've missed that people would want to know about this? I guess, as, as will always be the case, some people will say, hey, what about fill in blank? That was their absolute favorite thing. I can only say uh, the rules are there for you to adapt things. There's there's one or two that I know just aren't part of my cultural lexicon, and that's just you know I'm not no no judgment. It's just uh, didn't appear on TV, um, but you know it's there. It's there for you. The other thing I'd say is yeah, like I said, my 80s probably started with Star Wars uh, and, and probably ended with the first bars of the uh, the Twin Peaks theme tune. So. Um, so if you see stuff and say, hey, wait a minute, that appeared no, in no. 1978, curse you. So, yeah, 
but let's face it, it was playing all the way through the 80s. And it's... I was probably taping the theme tune off of the TV all the way through the 80s as well. So um, uh, I really hope you like it. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear what you make of it when you get your hands on it. Yeah, I'd just like to say thank you to everyone that's kind of contributed to get it to this point from, from Helena to Steve to Ernst and Ari and, and, and Matthew that have kind of um, done all of that work kind of in the background to uh, to get us to, to this point. I'm really excited for everybody to see it. I know that uh, it's been a long, long wait, including Helena as well. <laughs> so so thank you for your patience and I hope Thanks, you enjoy it. <laughs> no, and thanks to Carl for giving me the chance. You know, when else are you going to get the chance to do what I did, which is just make up the 80s movies that should have been that never were? So it's just, you know, it's an awesome opportunity. So thanks again to my oldest chum. It's a pleasure, my darling. <laughs> now, Helena, I know you need to roll, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask Carl about future feature packs. Um, are you cool to hang out for a minute or do you need to roll? Yeah, you go for it. I can, uh, I can make my apologies elsewhere. Uh, go for it. All right, Carl, tell us all about what's coming because some of the things that you've told us uh, the last time you were on when talking about the rule book, now that we know what's coming in eighties, just give us a little taste, give us a little flavor I'm because good. you have some wild stuff coming for seven TV. Okay, let me get on my big list of uh, of all of the uh, of the genre uh, things that uh, feature packs that are, that are coming out. There's a lot, um, right? So we've got Manta Ray Five going at the moment, which will be shipping out before the next one um, starts. And then, oh goodness me, where should we start? Okay, um, we've got uh, Steel Justice. I think I have to say Steel Justice is the way you have to say, have to say it. Um, which is um, uh, an, an urban war zone uh, somewhere in the uh, in the US, and uh, a, a, a cyborg uh, cop making his way through uh, through that particular uh, city, uh, which Glenn Allen uh, has written for us. Uh, Kings of Kung Fu City, which I'm still working on in the background or trying to in there, is my um, ode to button uh, button mashing kind of side-scrolling beat-em-ups, which is the only game I can actually play. And that's just by literally just doing that repeatedly. I have no skill otherwise. Um, what else do we have? Uh, there's uh, the, the next Kickstarter after this one will be um, Beneath the Mountains of Madness. Or is it Beyond the Mountains of Madness? I keep getting that wrong. Um, which will be, uh, we'll see uh, the little, the OSR, um, from uh lurks from the deep returning to going back to the antarctic to to, to find out some uh, some exciting mysteries there um we have uh warlord of dragon's peak which is a nice little kind of fantasy ode uh, we're working on the genre guide for that at the moment that's the one that people keep asking me for because the box set sold out too quickly um so people kind of are after fantasy so i think we might get that one out first and we've got a feature pack um for that tales of robin hood we're working on uh magnificent 7 tv which will probably be a genre guide in its own um right as people um fight in the writer's room to to work on um that one we've got quite a big rough about, about helena for years have been saying want to do a cowboy one and peter's also been saying want to do oh, a cowboy peter as well yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we so, might um, do a quick draw to see who gets to uh, yeah, i think yeah. that might be the best way 
So um, we've got that. We've got Night Terrors, which was one of the projects that uh, Edge Hill worked on last year, which is our small town cosmic horror. That is um, what if uh, Stephen King wrote a story that was kind of directed by John Hughes um, and, uh, and maybe kind of scored by John Carpenter. Um, so uh, that's, that's, that's full of 80s joy. Um, Dead on Arrival, uh, which will be the relaunch of the Paranormal Exterminators um, Guide, which will be 80s themed. That's been written and uh, ready to go. Um, and we've got we've got a few other ones kind of knocking around as well. But that's the most kind of immediate things. And we're working all of the genre guides as well. Interest by Fire is a pretty good draft. Apocalypse is a pretty good draft. So um, we'll be working on on. Well, we are working on all of those in the background. I was going to say, and uh, when are you going to have time to sleep? I mean, you <laughs> sleep when I'm dead to be fine. <laughs> oh, well, that's exhausting. And on that note, <laughs> I think, uh, Carl, please continue to do what you do because every time I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm all set. Eighties is out. I'm good. I'm going to be good for a while. Fantastic. And then you started listing things. I was like, yep, I need that. Yep. <laughs> I need that. I probably yep. forgot too. I need that too. <laughs> ah, you're a mad genius, my good man. Keep it up. Please don't <laughs> stop. And please come back because I want to talk about all of those things. <laughs> Carl, all the best with the Kickstarter. Ladies and gentlemen, please go to Kickstarter at the beginning of October. Um, please look up 7TV80s. You can find us there. Um Please do support. Um, Carl does use the funds from these things to create the products that we've been talking about here. This one has had a lot of work put into it, and I know I am backing it literally the minute it goes live. So, <laughs> uh, again, Helena, a pleasure having you on, a pleasure to meet you, and uh, thank you for coming on today. Thanks a lot, Brad. I've had a great time. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. It has been uh, a wild uh, couple of years uh, through COVID and everything else, but Cast Dice has chugged on through and we will continue to move forward into the future. Friends, I don't say this often, but if you are watching this on YouTube, please like and subscribe. I can't believe I just said that out loud. And if you are listening to this on your favorite podcatcher, uh, I don't say this very often, but uh, the algorithms out there, there are more podcasts than ever. Uh, like every other third white man on the planet, I have a podcast. And if you could, Pretty Panda, please, um, you know, say something nice and or give us a, a five-star review, um, it would help other people find the show in the future. Also, uh, please tell your friends and family, any of them who happen to like games, um, that this show exists. And as always, if you have something that you would like to send in or a request for the show, or you just want to say uh, that you loved or hated or disagreed or agreed with something I've said, please do go to the Cast Dice Facebook page, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you message the page, you're guaranteed a response by me. My name is Brad. Hi. And um, I do get back to you. But just remember, I am in Australia and I do occasionally sleep. So it might take a couple hours. On that note, I think it comes down to what our good buddy Casey always says. When you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope that your dice are hot. I hope your beverages are cold. 
But more than that, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. And uh, God, it, it's been a ride. Thank you for listening. Good night. Are gone and attract my home.